Welcome to the Deliciously Alive podcast, where we explore what's possible when we allow ourselves the full human experience. My name is Sarah Campbell, and I'm your host. Each week, my guests and I will be sharing real and actionable insights on how to tap into your desires, feel truly alive, adventurous, and inspired to take action. I believe to my core that a vibrant, radiant, delicious life is possible for you. So pull up a comfy seat or join me on your favorite walk and we'll take this wild, messy, brilliant journey to living a life that lights us up together. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is going to be a really great episode. I'm super excited to have Amy Beheimer here with us. And so Amy's a pharmacist and a certified health and wellness coach on a mission to help others learn to love their autoimmune health. After being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at 27, she was crushed and fearful for what her future held knowing she needed to find a way to have a say in her future health and happiness. Amy set out on a self-development journey that continues every single day over a decade later. Now she uses her education training and firsthand experience to be an example of what's possible when you use the science of habits to help your body heal from the cell up. Amy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's quite an honor. My pleasure. Honestly, this has been on my mind a lot, actually, this whole concept of internal healing. And so I'm really excited for this conversation. And I think it's one we need to have. It's one we need to start having. Absolutely. So I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I know I said, and it seems like we've been going through, at least in the people around me or the conversations that are being having being had around me, a redefinition of what health is these days at least how it's extending out into the public before it used to be, or at least from my perception, it was, you know, you went into the doctor, you got weight on the scale, you, they took your height and, but it's not always just a number on a scale. It's our skin, it's our hair, our menstrual cycles. If you're a woman of childbirth age and so, so much more. So what is your definition of healthy? Ah, oh, I love this question. Such a great question to start us off. You nailed it. It's not this static thing that we've always thought with these necessarily numbers. I mean, if you look up health or healthy in the dictionary, it's some derivative of symptom-free or no disease, lack of disease. And if you believe those things, which I did when I was first diagnosed with MS, I had a diagnosis, I had symptoms. So right out the gate, I wasn't healthy. I was kind of not fitting the definition of healthy. And you can imagine that made me feel just bummed and incredibly fearful. And by that definition, you can't even really come back from it because once you're diagnosed with some of these chronic diseases, whether it's autoimmune or not, you can definitely enter periods of remission and calmness, but you have this diagnosis. And so that what you're describing is exactly kind of what started me on this is, okay, what does it mean for me to be healthy? And how am I going to define it in a way that I actually get to control what that is? So if you're asking me and my definition now, I always include recognizing the mind and the body, both so interconnected. So to look at health only from the physical body standpoint, we're missing such a key in using our mind to, to promote health or prevent disease. So 
And the other piece that I always include is having the energy to care for myself and others. So when I put those together, I can be healthy because I get to control those things. I love that definition. It's interesting that you said that because it's, it is when you go through some kind of diagnosis or challenge, some health challenge, it's easy to be like, okay, I'm I'm never going to be healthy again. Like I've got this diagnosis. It's not going away. I'm never going to be a healthy person. Yeah. But it's that giving back of control. It's the whole concept of control. We control, we can't control everything, but we can control our mind. We can control our movement. We can control to a degree and we can control maybe different things that impact our energy and things like that. I love that. Yeah. So what are, especially when you had gone through this process for yourself or when you're talking to other people in your coaching, what are some warning signs that are really prevalent? And I imagine it probably has changed with our nutrition over the years and things like that. But what are some of the things that you're seeing that are red flags or warning signs, either when you notice in your journey or for clients that you're working with now? There's kind of a couple different camps. You know, being a pharmacist, I'm trained in kind of the traditional workup of patients. So you have subjective, which is more less data-driven. It's more how someone feels. And then you have objective, which is what are those lab tests saying? And they both play a role because like you said, sometimes people can just feel something is different. So maybe they eat dairy and they have a reaction and their GI is distraught or they get a lot of mucus buildup or they eat gluten and they just crash. So these are our body's early warning signs that are kind of trying to get our attention, but oftentimes they're just blown right through. On the flip side of that, we have some objective things. So sometimes we get a lab back and, you know, the doctor marks it as, ooh, that's kind of inching towards abnormal or that is abnormal. And that can be an early sign that even still we can kind of blow right through. We can take a Band-Aid. We can you know, fix the immediate problem to get us back to living the life we're used to. And instead of taking the opportunity to say, but what is causing, you know, what is behind that? What's upstream? And that's really the crucial place where I, for myself, it, you know, admittedly, I blew through it for a while, but for myself and now with working with other people, slowing down and saying, what can we learn from this? It really is such a huge opportunity. That's interesting that you said that what's upstream. I had an interview with a fertility coach and she Mm. said the same thing. What's upstream? Interesting. I don't know if that, what, what did you mean by that? What's upstream? You know, there, and I'm probably going to get it wrong, but the first time I heard that concept is there's this, it's a parable of two men and they're standing by a river. Did she talk about a similar one? No, I just remember this from being a kid in a book of parables as a child. (laughs) And you're standing by a river and there's all these kids coming down the river and they're jumping in and trying to save the kids, save the kids. And finally, one of the men leaves the one guy and he goes, where are you going? We have so many kids to save. And he said, I'm going to figure out why kids are being thrown into the river. (laughs) And so I always, I literally picture a stream and, you know, where in everything, how can we go upstream and try to prevent problems before they even come is ideally the goal, especially with our health. Mm, 
I love that. It's more of a preventative measure and a proactive measure as opposed to just treating or masking the symptom. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you talk about habits. I know that's a big part of your message and them being the keys to create energy and to create health. And so when we look at either someone who's already feeling healthy for them, whatever that definition is for them, and they just want more vitality or more energy or whatever it is, or if it's someone who's just at the crossroads of a diagnosis or realizing there's some things coming up that they, it's a feeling, it's not necessarily a lab test, but it's like, ooh, breakout or this or that. What are the most critical habits that we need to put in place? And why is it like, what's the big deal with habits anyway? Yeah. Well, I think habits is talked about a lot. We have so many great books out there making it to the mainstream and habit researchers and, you know, with BJ Fogg and James Clear. And I know that you're a fan of some of them as well. And so it's kind of a common language that we have everybody's attention that there is this tool because that's what it is. You know, it's not a rule, it's a tool. And it's a common language for us to speak and it's backed by science. So a pharmacist in me of loving evidence-based things that are proven and shown, habits have that. There's a science to habit change that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We get to tap into what researchers are finding and use it to our advantage. And habits are so amazing because up to 50% of our daily actions are habits. So we don't even know what those are for almost half of our day. We're just going around on autopilot. Mm -hmm. And so especially with autoimmune disease, the tie that binds or the symptom that binds a lot of autoimmunity is fatigue or lack of energy. And so I think that habits really speak to us or everybody as a whole because it's a win-win. You not only get to replace those daily actions that are draining energy, but if you replace them with things that help you gain energy, then it's twofold win-win. So that's kind of where my interest in habit as a tool to really work with people in a tangible way to say, this is the short-term goals that are going to get us to our long-term action. Mm. Do you find, especially where you're seeing a lot of shared symptoms, like you mentioned fatigue, are there like your common go-to habits that you kind of default to when it comes to, especially autoimmune disease, but health in general? Yeah. I always say, you know, the things we do for autoimmunity, it's good for everybody and everybody. I mean, there's not a human body that can't benefit from these things. And you know, because I love a structure and I love alliteration, I use something called the Habit Hub that that I've created. And so it's nothing new. It's the same pillars, you know, packaged in my framework, you know, in terms of how to work with people. But those six areas and kind of what you're getting at is what are they? First and foremost is mindset and the power of, you know, having, you know, intentionality in terms of what we're thinking. So that's one. Number two is food as medicine. And I'm sure everybody out there has dabbled in, you know, what that looks like for them. Movement as medicine is the third one. So different ways that we move our body. And like you mentioned earlier, sometimes we don't always have control to move exactly how we used to, but there's always something. We also have rest and relaxation. So 
you know, things looked at reducing stress and at improving our sleep. We also have connection. And this, I say they're all my favorite, but connection is when you're looking at areas and asking someone, where do you want to focus for your health? And they see that connection could be one of those places. It's by far my favorite one and so backed by the science that it is, you know, one of the keys to staying healthy. And the last one is something I call the good stress. And some people may be familiar with the term hormesis, but that is, you know, the stressors that we put on our body that are short term and therefore the purpose of letting our cells and letting our body come back stronger. So the concept, what's that? Like a workout, like you're building muscle kind of thing. I was going to say most people like, no, you need to go through some pain to build that muscle, but we can do that with our emotions. We can do that with our metabolism. We can do that with our physical body, but we can do that also with our mind and really stimulating our mind. So those are the six areas that most everything that's going to fuel our health is going to fall under um, for these human bodies that we have and brains. So those are incredible. I love those six areas that I didn't see the last one coming. That's so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cool to be able to hear, you know, these different, but it makes sense. It's like, you can't build a healthy body, a healthy mind out that stretch that growth provides. And if you've got the rest and relaxation that you mentioned to back it up, then that's where, you know, either building that physical muscle or mental muscle or whatever it is. Yeah. The connection one is interesting. So what do you find with connection? That makes sense to me when it comes to especially autoimmune disease or someone who's going through a diagnosis because there's a lot of loneliness, a lot of like, I'm the only one going through this, even though it's not necessarily true. It may be in their inner circle or whatever. What is the science behind connection? Why is it so important that it's one of those six? You know, we as humans are really wired to belong in community. It's when we are connecting and we are, you know, socializing and caring for ourselves and caring for other people, our bodies release chemicals to let let our bodies know things are going well. We're sharing what we have. We're promoting the advancement of our species in kind of a evolutionary standpoint. And when we don't tap into that on a regular basis and make it a habit to connect with loved ones and friends and reach out to others and have that sense of community, it's signaling to our body that, you know, go ahead and shut things down because we're not thriving in this community. And so there is more and more, and the statistic is something about the loneliness and having no friends is equivalent to smoking, you know, almost a pack of cigarettes a day. I mean, it's that powerful. And so it's one that people, I think, want to overlook and want to kind of just assume they're doing okay. But having intentionality and realizing that it's a part of that hub, just like the rest. And really, if it's being neglected, you know, it's going to be lopsided. And the other one, I know you've spoken before about productive rest. You know, that's another one that personally, I still to this day, I'm if I'm looking and things are not as smooth as I'd like to be, it's because I'm neglecting that spot. I like to say I can't outnourish, you know, a lack of 
taking productive rest, you know? Yeah. And I think we've been driven, especially with women, like there's this whole thing we wanted to be part of the working environment, being part of having our own autonomy over our careers and our money and things like that, which is such a beautiful thing. But we did kind of take household along with it. And so we get, and men too, men are going on overdrive too. Like my husband, he's, you know, going to work and then coming home and fixing this and fixing that. And he was fixing the washer the other day. So it's not just women, but it's this need to feel productive all the time. And I noticed that in myself. And I think a lot of ambitious people or people that are, are wired to want to grow feel that way where they're like, you know, got to go for those goals. And I, just so many aspirations, so many ideas and visions of what they want to create in their lives. And it's just, we don't, I, for me, it took a while to get to the place where I was like, I have to back this up with rest. And it's the whole like muscle recovery thing. You like me, it still creeps in. Like you oh, think, hundred yeah, percent. you're like, oh no, I haven't. This is my work. Yes. Yeah. And that yeah. is, and that's it. And that's the beautiful thing. It's, you know, we're all unique and we all have a bit of a different style of the way we show up in the world. And for ambitious people, that is the work. That yeah. was the thing. Like I struggle the most with resting the same as you it's because I, it's so much easier to get in that. So I love that that's part of your message is that there's the nutrition and the movement and all the things that we traditionally see as, oh, to be healthy, I have to eat good. I have to, um, and that's, you know, that's its own (laughs) bucket of, you know, how do you discern? But a lot of people go to food and nutrition and forget about. And you're right. Most people come to me because they know something needs to change with their diet, you know, or what they're Mm -hmm. eating. It's a good thing. I mean, people are starting to take notice of, you know, tying that link between how I feel and what I'm putting in my body. And so, yeah, that's normally the first thing that people come with in terms of wanting, but I love having this tool to back it up and make sure that it's well-rounded all around. I love that. And so you could in theory, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe there's one way to kind of approach this. When you look at the six, is there a recommended like tackle nutrition first, then movement, then whatever? Or is it like pick one that you're weak in or how do you determine? Awesome question. I do something called an energy audit. Mm -hmm. So what that is, we take a look together, you know, at the wheel and we do a true, honest assessment of where are we in these six areas in terms of do we feel we're getting drained with our energy or are we having big gains from our energy? And so people typically know what area that is. So that's good data to know going in to make a choice. But the ultimate choice on where to start, and this is going back to those amazing authors and researchers that we share in common admiration for is, you know, Maxim One for BJ Fogg, who wrote Tiny Habits for Habit Change is you have to do something you already want to do. And so, you know, where do you want to start? And there is no wrong answer. Sometimes people feel, oh, the right answer is this. And the truth is building on any success and starting where you want to start is the right place because you can't go wrong. 
you can't go wrong. And then the beauty of it is while you're working on these skills in that one area, those skills you're earning and you're keeping and you're going to bring with you when you set out on your, your next goal or your next area. So no time is ever lost or wasted starting where you want to start, getting some momentum, and then just continuing to build on that, build on that skill. That is actually really key. And it's funny, as you were saying that, I was kind of recollecting my experience with, it was funny, a lot of people start the year off and they're like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to work out five times a week and I'm going to change, completely change my diet. Yeah. And all this. And I remember at a time in my life where I was like, okay, I know I need to shift some of the way that I'm eating, but I want to do all the things. Just typical me. I just want to do all the things. And I was like, no, I'm not doing anything else. I'm just going to focus on the food. And what that did was when I started eating better, it fueled the energy that I wanted to work out where I couldn't have really tackled them at the same time. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. Yeah. It has this compounding effect. Yeah. So I love what you said. No time is wasted when it comes to, because that's the, I think for the nature of an ambitious person, they're like, oh, time is ticking. I need to do all the things because time is ticking. And the truth is you're going to get that compounding effect if you focus in on one area and use that to maximize the trickle down effect that affects the others, I guess. Absolutely. And funny, you mentioned New Year's resolution. There's a stat that over 80%, I think it is, that they want to eat different. Over 70% want to move more, you know, but the statistic or the number of people who want to learn a new skill is like 21%. And so what a gap that we want to do these things, but not recognizing we need some skills. We need some tools. We need potentially a coach. Like we need to set ourselves up for success and not tell ourselves that we should be doing this or that we are bad because we aren't able to make these lofty goals. So yeah, stepping back and making it your goal to learn the skill that you get to apply anywhere you want. Mm, that's so great. So when you mentioned something about habits, and I just want to circle back to it for a second, you mentioned taking a habit that's not serving you, that's draining you, and then replacing it with a habit that is energizing you. Is that the approach to do when it comes to, like, let's say we say, okay, I'm going to focus in on movement because I've realized COVID happened. I started working from home. I'm super sedentary. Haven't gone anywhere. I need to move my body. Is it taking a a bad habit and replacing it with a good one? Is that like kind of the fastest way to... Sometimes that is a great way to think of it and that works for some people, but it also, that kind of just ends up happening for the most part. Um, yeah. You know, an example, I'm trying to think of a good example of say in relation to your movement one that you want to take a five to ten minute walk after meals you know so you're taking your five to ten minute walk and while you're doing it you're not sitting on the couch scrolling during that time so it's almost they a lot of times they without even thinking of it one elevates while the other one goes down 
Mm, I love that. So it can be just a natural, like, this is where my time is spent. I'm going to take that and substitute it with this activity instead. Yeah, that typically seems to be what happens because we all have the same amount of minutes in a day and, you know, they fill up. And so if we're not intentional about filling it up with things that are serving us, like you mentioned, including productive rest in that intention is key. But if, if we're not intentional, we kind of usually end up defaulting into some energy draining behaviors. And not everybody. And sometimes it is good to just veg out or do any, you know, something that maybe is not quote unquote healthiest, where none of us are robots or perfect. <laughs> Being intentional kind of as we think about those things. I love that because I mean, I'm all about I love this conversation I could go on forever on intention and spending time where and setting our intention where we want to spend our time. But you're right. It could be even I want to like my husband and I, we're rewatching Modern Family right now. We are too light at all. No. <laughs> like, well, He's we not- have never gotten this far. So we're watching we're rewatching some of the beginning ones and then we're it's so good. It, it's like the 90s. Show. I feel like in the 90s, there was a lot more like family values kind of. Yeah. And the 2000s, there's a lot more family values. And there's not really that anymore. And I feel like Modern Family is that. It's so funny that you're watching it too. Where are you in the season? We are just started season six, episode one. The big wedding. Oh. Yeah. Where are you? Oh, so we're in season 10 now. So we've had a little bit of runway. But that's the thing is like that you wouldn't look at that and say watching TV is a a good use of time. But it's something that my husband and I share Ooh. an interest for. It's us spending time. We're laughing together. And so it, it's on paper looks like yeah. a waste of time. But there is intention put behind it. You know, we're doing yeah. that intentionally because it's something we enjoy together. Oh, my God. You nailed it. I mean, connection in all those things is so amazing. And the body knows the difference is the crazy thing. Yeah. They measure when people just accidentally forget to eat. And your body's reaction to that is different than when you set out, I'm going to fast and, you know, make this deliberate. Or another example would be they do studies where they tell people, you know, you're drinking this milkshake. It's delicious. It is rich it's you know a dessert and they give someone the exact same milkshake and they tell them that it's a health food and that it's a smoothie and it's nourishing and the way your body absorbs it is different based on how you're thinking about it what it's wild so when we're doing these actual like activities the thoughts and the feelings that are behind them make such a difference in how how it happens in our body what chemicals are being released and and what so exactly what you're saying if you go in and you're just mindlessly watching your 15th episode and you know not even thinking about it versus i'm gonna watch this with my husband i'm gonna laugh you know i mean it's our bodies respond different it's wild oh that's fascinating i didn't really i mean there's so much that we're learning about our brains and bodies it doesn't surprise me but i didn't really know to the degree that the effect of one the same action yeah could affect the body. That's so interesting. You can measure it. I mean, they're getting wild and able to measure some of these things. It's very neat. Very neat. Oh my gosh. So this is so cool. 
So when it comes to, this has actually been on my mind lately, going kind of fast forwarding a little bit back to our conversation about feeling, like we talked about when people are feeling, there's kind of the two different ways of, of gauging their healthiness, the feelings that they're feeling, like they're noticing they eat something and something's happening, or they are going and getting a test. Yeah especially in is because you have so much in the autoimmune disease area arena. Do you find that people often get caught treating symptoms or because I know you have a background in conventional medicine and functional medicine as well. So it's super applicable, but do people get caught treating symptoms for a long time without getting to the root cause or, and this might be a separate question, maybe there are symptoms getting downplayed within the conventional system? That's a great question, yeah. For the most part, it takes a something kind of scary to make people say, whoa, like I want to figure out what is happening. Like for me, with multiple sclerosis, it was the threat of the ability to walk or the ability, because my first autoimmune diagnosis, to be honest, it was vitiligo which is a skin autoimmune disease, then thyroid. So that one, okay, I will take a medicine and that calms down the thyroid because it was overactive. So I never looked for the root cause. And I'm just using my story as an example because I think it, I see it repeated. It was that third one where it was multiple sclerosis where, wow, there's a path with this disease that affects your ability to walk and your independence. That was my epiphany. That was my lightning bolt of, I have got to figure out what is upstream of this because that I'm not willing to let go of without a fight. And so I think that oftentimes when there is a Band-Aid or when there is something to do in the short term to get us back to living, that's just what our brains know. That's what's comfortable. You know, it doesn't mean anybody's bad for doing it. It's just, it often takes some sort of aha and some sort of connection or maybe learning something about their disease to make people pause and say, I want to figure out how to stop this from happening in the future. Right. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, definitely did. Do you find, I know that in my conversations with some people in my life, there was a lot of because there's some autoimmune like MS is pretty well defined like there's testing and yeah. some of the autoimmune health diseases or diagnoses don't come as defined are there a lot of people struggling with I feel these things I don't know what they are every time I go to the doctor they say I'm fine nothing's coming up on their charts but I know something's wrong like I know I feel it yeah if people could see me I'm here just nodding along yes yes absolutely there are now upwards of 120 autoimmune diagnoses but that's growing constantly that doesn't even cover all the different ones that are emerging and the yes people People just will sometimes get diagnoses that they're not sure of and then or sometimes they just get no diagnoses and they just truly get to a point. They reach that point where they want to usually by the time they've raised their hand to say, OK, I want to get help. You no, know, can you help me? It's because despite what that is, let's control what we can control. 
And Mm. that stuff is still going on in the background. So we will still look for answers. And, you know, hopefully everybody has a team around them that are all playing their role to get to the best version of health. But in the meantime, in between those doctor visits and in between waiting on labs and, you know, if every day we get to decide what the daily actions are that are setting Mm. us up for our best case scenario, that's such a place of power that I just, I so applaud people that don't have the diagnosis yet, but they're raising their hand saying, I'm ready now, not waiting around because I see where this is going. And so it's definitely not replacing, you know, you kind of mentioned the functional and conventional medicine. So few places offer a container where there's room for both. There's a lot of villainizing where you'll see groups of treating things naturally and they villainize the medications and they call it drugs and toxins and just really these negative words instead of recognizing, you know, sometimes there's a place for that. Sometimes we're stopping progression and we have good data and there's a place for both. But that doesn't mean you get to just bone it, you know, tune in, tune out and stop caring about what you eat or stop doing these other things. It's a this and this. And the more people that are out with an educated, you know, experience, because a lot of it's just based on misinformation. It's based on, you know, a scary story about what some of these medicines are instead of truly taking the facts and weighing the benefit and the cons. I love that explanation of how they can work together because that was something that was on my mind because I know that's something that you talk about the synergy. Yeah. And how they can complement each other. It doesn't have to be the one villainizing the other. And I love how you just described how you can, you know, you can participate in those healthy habits. It all goes back to those healthy habits. And that can be super complementary to the data-driven science that we have available to us. That we're so fortunate to be living in a day and age where we have that available, yeah, that knowledge. So. And I never like to make it about me, but I do, I'm very open and I share my experience just because, you know, I, obviously we haven't talked once about a medication yet because I'm so, what are these habits? What are our lifestyle? But I will also share, I'm on a medication that stops progression of multiple sclerosis. You know, it's an infusion that is that we called a disease modifying agent. And I've chosen to take that, to have that in my toolkit and do both. And sometimes people, they hear that and they go, oh, wow, because they want to take a med or they're on a medication and and they almost are looking for something to say, it, it makes sense to do both or it's okay. So I do share yeah. that just to say, I do both, you know, I choose and not everybody may make those choices, but Let's make them from a really educated, solid standpoint. Yeah. And that's so permission giving. I hate the word permission, but it it is like some people are. I remember when I gave birth to my son and there was all this talk about, do you get an epidural or do you not? And it was this big, like pro-epidural, anti-epidural conversation that it felt like everybody was they're tying an identity to it almost. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And they're like, I'm yeah. in this camp and I'm in this camp. And I remember going to this, you know, mommy and baby class or whatever, <laughs> get ready to have a kid. And I was like, I'm going to try not to 
but if I need to, I'm going to take it. Like, you know what I mean? I was just like, I'm going to let both of those be available to me as options. And I'm going to see where it goes. And I had such an amazing experience. Like I have probably a better birth experience than a lot of people I know because I allowed myself that permission. That's a great analogy. Yeah. It's making educated decisions. Absolutely. And being able to keep an open mind, I think. And if it's not right for you, it's not right for you. That's fine. You can, everybody's, we're all an adult here. Like we can all make our own decisions, but just being, I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, there's influence in their life, whether it's a, someone that they're listening to or a family or whatever yeah. that's in one of those camps. And they're like, I kind of want to see what's over there just in case, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but I feel tied here. Well, and so. that, that's a good point. I mean, a lot of people get hung up. There's just so much, there's too much information and yeah. a lot of misinformation. The statistics on the amount of misinformation is wild. And so, you know, taking advice from anybody that doesn't understand you and your goals and your experience is just a little bit dicey. You know, it's yeah. more nuanced than that. And so I always say, find your few people that you trust and kind of put blinders up on the rest while you're working to make a couple changes, you know, that you know you want to make. And so it's like people sometimes they get they're so confused about X, Y, and Z, but they're not on A, B, and C yet. You know, it's right. So they're listening to these advanced discussions in the functional medicine world about certain supplements and all these things that are so far advanced and letting it get them down to not even get started when let's back up and let's go back to A, B, and C and start small and just focus on what we can. I love that. That's actually where my mind was going next. So this is actually a perfect segue to if we want to, let's just say, you know, whether you're feeling healthy, if you're listening and you're feeling healthy, or if you're listening and you're not feeling healthy and you know something needs to change for the people that are listening, where do we even start with the healing journey? Yeah. You mentioned getting your key people, people you trust around you. Yeah, I build your tribe in terms of, because sometimes there really are in our health journey, some things that problems to be solved. So, you know, certain drug levels could be off. You could need supplementing. You could need some, you could have some deficiencies that really need to be corrected. So those are the problems that we need, you know, your conventional or your functional medicine practitioner or your doctor to stay involved with. And then alongside with that, it be, being sure there's someone on your team that is helping draw out the insight that you have within you. So, you know, a lot of times, obviously I'm in the coaching world. I am a coach. So I, of course, I say get a coach, but I practice what I preach. I have a coach and a coach is really, truly what shifted shifted my health because I thought I knew, I mean, I know all the facts, I have the degrees, I do it. But until you have somebody to help you and show you what's inside your brain, because it's impossible for us to, sometimes people say, read the label from inside the jar, but we're not very good at that introspection. And so getting an outsider's view to help you learn more about you is, and to help you with this skill, this mega superpower of habit building and you know, showing up for yourself or obeying yourself, whatever you want to call it. I think you've referred to it as leadership of self. Yeah. 
And yeah. I love that. What resonates with me, I call it showing up for future Amy. So oh, whatever, yeah, that's so good. Whatever version like lands with you, learning the skill of doing what you say you're going to do, following through on things and really being okay with getting support because mm-hmm. we don't do other things on our own. We don't, I mean, this one's big and it's tough and just definitely not beating yourself up that you haven't mastered it yet because if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. And we all know it's not easy. Yeah. I love that. And it's that community building too, like that you get that benefit on top of you find your people, they draw out like a coach is like a mirror and they draw out of you what it is that you need to see in order to move forward. I I love having a coach and I love that relationship has been, supported me so much in my journey, but it also increases that community piece. Too, yeah. One of your six pillars that's like you, you're building connection yeah. with people who get you, who know you as a person. It's not just a surface level yeah. um, interaction. And that's such a beautiful thing on so many different the skill building piece sure. and the awareness piece, and then also on that community piece as well. So good. Put yourself in front of people, whether it's Zoom, whether it's community online in these groups, put yourself around people that are doing what you aspire to do. And, you know, the blue zones are something that people may be familiar with. And it's these pockets where people live forever. And one of the biggest differences in the blue zones is it's easier. The norm is the healthy behavior. So step out of the norm to do these things that are draining their energy. And that's just not, unfortunately, how our world is. We have to kind of first be the fish swimming upstream often. And so having these communities where you're seeing it done and you're seeing it led in, you know, new ideas in different ways and feeling not so alone, I think is a huge benefit to finding a tribe like this. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to, so we know some of the steps that we need to follow in order to kind of kickstart this health journey or this healing journey from within. What are your biggest keys or biggest secrets for follow through? Because I feel like that's, we just talked about a little bit, you know, the future Amy leadership of self. No. But how do you, that's a lot of people, you know, they go in with best, good, great intentions. They do something for a couple of weeks and then fall off the bandwagon. What's the key marker there that we can do? I think, you know, the biggest difference for me with follow through and with people I work with is going upstream to use our phrase, actions that we're doing upstream of that, there are thoughts and feelings that are driving those actions. Yeah, And so, you know, a lot of behavior change actually is diving into what's going on in our brain and in our mind. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of, like you said at the beginning, asking me how I define health. How do we define health? How do we want to think about changes we need to make? Or how do we want to think about the diagnoses we may have? And really tackling that mindset piece to, because that's sustainable. And you know, I think that when we can go upstream and start there, that's where the sustainable lasting change comes. And yes, so having someone to help work on that for sure. It's a practice. It is a practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about that a lot on the podcast. Actually, I really do believe that we see it all the time. There are people that 
grow up in the worst of conditions that go on to be a president yeah. or someone who is a you know celebrity and has so much money and then they end up stealing and you're like it doesn't it's but it's not your circumstances that dictate your results it's your thought that creates that trickle down effect because yeah. your thought creates a feeling that feeling creates an action that actually creates a result yeah so as I know we're we're wrapping up our time here I feel like we could talk for hours but <laughs> I really appreciate you taking so much time to go through this with us what is if you could imagine somebody listening and they know they need to kickstart their health journey. They know they need to start somewhere. So they know some of the pillars. They know the habits are going to be incredibly important. What is one constructive thought that they can adopt that can get them going down the right path? Oh, it's a good question. And I'm going to say a couple because so personal. So take start with these. Try them on and see see what you think but one that i find helps me even to this day is i create my health mm. you know another version of that would be i'm in control of my health or i create my future but thinking that thought makes me feel empowered and start taking actions that match up with that and i want to offer one other one that's a little different than that has helped myself and people i've worked with is my body isn't wrong or my body is on my team. You know, the, the symptoms, it's so easy to get angry and get frustrated, but just consider for a minute, what if it's right? What if it's not wrong? What if it's on my team? What is it trying to tell me? And get that curiosity going and see what comes when you're feeling curious. What actions mm. you're taking. I love that. My body is on my team because that will be a really hard thought to adopt when you just get a diagnosis. Yes. You're going through. But if you imagine that your diagnosis is your body or the symptoms is your body informing you of something deeper that you need to do in order to be your best self, then you can kind of get on board with that. And I love that. Oh, yeah. Form a little relationship. Thank so you good. so much. Amy, thank you for being Aww. here. It's so where can people find you, follow you, learn from you, all the things? Yes, yes. So my website is www.amybeheimercoaching. That's A-M-Y-B as in boy, E-H-I-M as in Mary, E-R-coaching.com. And on there, I have free resources. I have information about my group coaching program as well as one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. So hopefully I'll be having a podcast coming up in 2023. I've said it. I've said it here, so it's in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there. It's happening. <laughs> you can, well, I can access everything on, on the website, anything you need to know. Perfect. And we'll make sure to put all the links in the show notes so everybody listening can get to you easily. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your time, and all your golden nuggets with us. Thank you. You're putting such amazing things out in the world. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Deliciously Alive podcast with me today. We hope it brought value to you and created a bit of inspiration and encouragement that will move you into action. For more, you can head on over to deliciouslyalive.com forward slash guide to get our free resource guide that will show you actionable ways to live an incredible life, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would love it too, or leave a rating and review. It means the world to us and gives us feedback on what to do more of. That's all for this episode. So till next time, stay curious, be brave, and take inspired action toward that delicious life meant especially for you.